Hello, my dear friends. Each week, I select a book that I have personally read and thoroughly enjoyed, and I read a chapter or chapters from that book with you. My goal with sharing these words with you is to help energize you and empower you to tackle whatever is thrown at you as you go through the day. For this week, I will be reading from Rob Bell's book. How to be here. Rob Bell is a New York Times best-selling author, speaker, and spiritual teacher. His books include Love Wins. What we talk about when we talk about God, Jesus wants to save Christians and drop like stars. He hosts the weekly podcast, The Robcast, which was named by iTunes as one of the best of 2015. He was profiled in Time Magazine as one of 2011's hundred most influential people in the world, and in this book. How to be here? He wants to inspire you to discover the life you were meant to live. This is a continuation of part one: suffering. What about the things that happened to us that we never wanted to happen? What about tragedy and loss and heartbreak and illness and abuse? That list can be long. What about all the things that come our way that make us feel powerless and out of control, like our life is being created for us? When I was growing up, my dad would come into my room every night before I went to bed and tell me that he loved me. And then he would stand in the doorway before he turned out the light, and he would say. You are my pride and joy. He coached my soccer and basketball teams. He took us on vacations. He made my sister and brother and me pancakes on Saturday mornings. He helped us with our homework. When I left home to go to college, he sent me handwritten letters every week, never failing to remind me that he was cheering me on. I tell you about how present and involved my dad was in my life growing up, because when he was eight, his uncle picked him up at his house to take him somewhere. His cousin was in the back seat of the car, and when my dad asked his cousin where they were going, his cousin said, "To the funeral home. Don't you know your dad died?" That's how he found out his dad had died from his cousin in the back seat of a car on the way to a funeral home. His dad, whom he hadn't known very well because his dad was gone during the war, had cancer and died at age thirty-four. When my dad was fifteen, his mother became very sick, and he and his brother thought that she was going to die. He once told me that while his mother was in the hospital, his brother clung to him through the night, repeating over and over with terror in his voice, "Are we going to be all alone in the world?" She eventually recovered, but then a year later, my dad's brother. 
who was his best friend and constant companion, died unexpectedly in an accident. How does a person bear that kind of pain? How does a heart ever recover? How does a young man make his way in the world when he's experienced that much suffering? Somewhere in the middle of that pain and loss, my dad decided that someday he would have a family and he would be the father that he had always wished he had. And so that's what he did. How we respond to what happens to us, especially the painful, excruciating things that we never wanted and we have no control over, is a creative act. Who starts cancer foundations? Usually people who have lost a loved one to cancer. Who organizes recovery groups? Mostly people who have struggled with addiction. Who stands up for the right of the oppressed? often people who have experienced oppression themselves. We have power, more power than we realize, power to decide that we are going to make something good out of even this. There is a question that you can ask about the things that have come your way that you didn't want. It's a question rooted in a proper understanding of the world, a question we have to ask ourselves continually throughout our lives. What new and good thing is going to come out of even this? When you ask this question, you have taken something that was out of your control and reframed it as another opportunity to take part in the ongoing creation of the world. Death, disease, disaster, whatever it is, you will have to grieve it and maybe be angry about it or be in shock, or shake your fist at the heavens for the injustice of it. That's normal and healthy and often needed. But then, as you move through it, as time does its healing work, you begin to look for how even this has potential. Even this is a blinking line. I once watched a doctor hold my newborn son upside down, by the ankles and give him a shake. I was shocked. What? You can do that to a baby? Because up until that moment, I was under the impression that babies were incredibly fragile, like a high-grade combination of porcelain and glass. But the doctor handled him when he first entered the world like he was made of rubber. He did this, I quickly learned, for a very specific reason. He was trying to help my son take his first breath. Because if you don't take a breath in those first few seconds when you arrive, you have a very serious problem. And so my boy, in all his shiny pink glory, hung there, upside down, with strange liquids exiting various orifices, and then he coughed and gasped and took his first breath. Remembering that day takes me to another day, this one a decade later. It was a Friday night, August 22nd, 2000, and my family and I were visiting my grandma Elaine. My grandma and I have been great friends since I was young. When I was in my late 20s and early 30s, she and I had lunch together every Friday for a decade. We, as they say, rolled deep. 
But when we went to visit her that evening in August, everything was different. She was in her mid-80s and her health had been declining over the past year and she had been moved to a different part of the nursing home where she lived. We knew we were getting close to the end, but I still wasn't expecting what we experienced when we entered her room. She was lying in bed, her eyes closed, taking long, slow breaths, but something about her was absent. It was like she was in the room, but not in the room, here, but already gone. If you've ever been in the room with someone who is dying, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a physical body right there in front of you, but there's something missing. Spirit, soul, presence, essence, whatever words you use for it. There is a startling vacancy you feel in being with someone you've been with so many times before, and yet that person isn't there anymore. I froze in the doorway, watching her lying on the bed, and it began to sink in that she was at the end of her life. You know someone is going to die because you know we're all going to die. You know it in your brain, but then there's a moment when that truth drops from your brain to your heart, like an elevator in a free fall, and lands with a thud. My wife, Christian, however, walks right over to the bed sat down next to grandma, took grandma's hand in her own, and leaned in over her heart and begun to speak to her. Grandma, we're here with you now. We see that you're going to be leaving us soon. We love you, and we have loved being with you all these years, and now we're letting you go. It was so moving. We spent a few hours with grandma that evening, and then we left, and within a few hours, she died. There's a moment when you arrive and take your first breath, and then there's a moment when you take your last breath, and you leave. For thousands of years, humans have been aware that our lives intimately and ultimately depends on our breath, which is a physical reflection of a deeper, unseen reality. It isn't just breath we're each giving, it's life itself. Before anything else can be said about you, you have received a gift, God, the universe, ultimate reality, being itself, whatever word you want to use for it, source, has given you life. Are you breathing? Are you here? Did you just take a breath? Are you about to take another? Do you have a habit of regularly doing this? Gift, gift, gift. Whatever else has happened in your life, failure, pain, heartache, abuse, loss, the first thing that can be said about you is that you have received a gift. Often, you'll meet people who have long lists of ways they've been slighted, reasons the universe has been unfair to them, times they got to the short end of the stick, or were dealt with a bad hand of cards. While we grieve and feel and lament and express whatever it is that is brewing within us, a truth courses throughout the veins of all our bumps and bruises, and it is this, we have received. You are here, you are breathing, and you have received a gift, a generous, extraordinary, mysterious, inexplicable gift.
I once visited a man named John who was dying of cancer. I had never met him before, but a mutual friend had asked me to see him at his house. He was lying in a hospital bed in his living room when I came in, his body frail and ravaged, and yet his eyes were clear and full of shimmering life. After we shook hands and I sat down, he told me, people just don't get it. And he smiled and then repeated, people just don't get it. He said that phrase over and over and over again for the next hour in between bursts of conversations. When I asked him what he meant by it, he said that people don't understand how precious and incredible life is. He said he hadn't understood this truth until he knew that it was being taken from him. Because that's how it works, doesn't it? Suffering and loss have this extraordinary capacity to alert and awaken us to the gift that life is. You're driving down the road arguing with someone you love about something stupid when a car almost runs you off the road and suddenly your hearts are pounding as you turn to each other and say, that was close and you aren't arguing anymore. You're frustrated with your kid and then you hear about someone else's kid being in the hospital and when you get home, you hold your kid extra close. You go to a funeral and you sit there grieving the death of this person you loved, but when you leave, you realize that mixed in with your sadness is a strange sort of energy that comes from a renewed awareness that you're here and this is your life and it's good and it's a sacred gift. Why do we react in these ways? Because deep down, we know that all we have is a gift. Jesus taught his disciples a prayer that begins, Our Father who is in heaven, which is another way of saying, begin your prayers, begin your day by acknowledging that your life is a gift and this gift flows from a source. This source is responsible for the air in your lungs, the blood that courses through your veins, and the vitality that surges through you and everything around you, which is another way of saying, begin whatever you're doing by remembering that you are here and you have been given a gift. The blinking line reminds you that whatever has happened to you, whatever has come your way that you didn't want, whatever you may have been through, you have today, you have this moment, you have a life that you get to create. The universe is unfinished and God is looking for partners in the ongoing creation of the world. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to make here? You can get a copy of this book through the website izzyafriate.com. That is Izzy, I-Z-Z-Y, Afriate, A-F as in Frank, R-I-Y-I-E.com. Click on the menu item, Books, scroll down the list, and you will find Rob Bell's book, How to Be Here. Thank you for listening.